Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the December edition of the Fantasy Group. Since it is so close to the holidays, we are discussing the book. I guess there's more than one version. The version that is on Bard but doesn't seem to be on Bookshare is the one. It's 37 minutes. It's by Suzanne Cope. I'm not sure how to pronounce that. Anyway, um... I guess it's an abridged version because it's a pic in picture book form um, when it's not being in audio. And that got me wondering, they said, if you're interested, read the original text. Well, I'm not sure. Does anybody know if the original text is in German? I think it is, but I'm not sure if it's been translated. Sorry, I have absolutely no idea. I I would assume that the the original text is in German, although I think there may be an English translation somewhere. But um, I read the same 37-minute thing, and it was a good thing it was 37 minutes because I remember today I hadn't read it. So, <laughs> I sat at my dinner table, and I, I read the book as I was eating dinner. So, you know, we're good. We're good. Well, that's exactly what I did, too. Not today, but uh, the Saturday after Thanksgiving, I sat at my dinner table and read it and thought it was absolutely charming. And frankly, um, I did not know the story of the Nutcracker, so it was kind of a nice thing to read. And uh, you sort of had an idea, you know, uh, of how the music of the ballet fit in. Uh, but I kind of missed the Snow Queen. Um, that's that's it. like when I finished, I thought, "Where's the Snow Queen?" Yeah, I guess they had to decide what to keep and what to um, cut out with the little mini picture book. Well, I thought it was kind of fun to read a, a nice short little book like that, um, sort of like a folk tale, which um, you know was was kind of kind of interesting. Um, I I enjoy folk tales, and I saw there there's a uh, one of the recent um, uploads to Bard is something about Creole folk tales, and I don't know anything about them, and I may download it just just to take a look, because I I love reading about folk tales, and um, you know, and that's that's part of the fantasy genre, so. Um, I mean, it's not sweeping epics like we're used to reading, but it's um, it tells you about a culture. It's kind of kind of neat. Yeah, I really enjoyed reading it too. Uh, what little I know about the Nutcracker is what I vaguely remember from watching it on TV, the ballet on TV, a long, long time ago. So it was nice to hear some of the details that went into that. And it was nice reading a short story. I'm getting tired of these multi-book, multi-generational series um, that people or authors are starting to put out. Well, what I liked was that, you know, everybody needs an uncle like what they had who was just fun and he he could pull these magic things, and the kids were kids, and they weren't, 
you know, we didn't have to deal with their issues, and they, they were just, you know, they were allowed to be real kids. Well, I think that's part of the, part of the, um, the charm of folktales, because the children in the folktales are always the, the very best children, because they are the role models for the kids who are listening to the folktales. So, um, obviously, you want to make the the children in a folktale, unless they're evil children, uh, the very best they can be, so that um, obviously they don't have any issues, because they are the ideal, um, the ideal children. Children, um, and I've always thought of folktales as being the the sort of secular side to religion, because. You know, in religion you get ceremony and very formal stuff and, and um, you know, the, 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 the formal beliefs and so forth. And then with the folk tales, you get the, the less formal, um, the idealistic um, kind of side of a people, which is, which is kind of neat. And they, you know, and, and the folk tales have morals, of course. That's the big thing about folktales is they all have morals, and um, you know it's it. That's I think that's why I've always liked them, because the they're so um, well they're they're actually contrived if you will, but they're they're standardized or they're idealized or, or something. Um, I think idealized would be the better word maybe, but. Uh, yeah, I like this this little story. It was it was nice, and uh, just the the perfect addition to the holidays. Uh, David, did you get a chance to read the book? I've read it before. It, I haven't read it recently, but I have read it before. I think E. T. A. Hausmann or some name like that is the guy who wrote it, and I'm like the other person. I'm sorry, I bumped the control. Um, and I'm like one of the other people on here who was wondering about the length. It seems awfully short. You know, I read it around the time I had read something about the the, um, ma the Phantom Tollbooth, which I kind of liked better, but I don't want to get off the subject. This one was fun. And um, I guess reading it a while back is not good because I don't remember the Snow Queen. When I hear Snow Queen, I think um, Hans Christian Andersen, or I think the fantasy novel, I believe it was Joan Vingy, which sequel was The Summer Queen. Yeah, The Snow Queen was probably in the parts that was cut out, and I, I guess it's in the ballet, I don't know. I, um, I think I saw the ballet a long time ago, but of course I couldn't actually see it. So, Well, the thing about the ballet, of course, it sticks in my mind, is the music. Um, <clears throat> I could care less about the ballet, but, you know, the music and the and the various um, things that, scenes that are in the ballet that you have, you have the, um, you know, the, the, the Cossack dancers and you have the, um, you know, the Arabian, uh, whatever the hex, and the and the sugar plum fairies, and the you know all these different little themes in the um, in the ballet, and of course they're all different music, and of course you're all familiar with the stuff. Um, but I was surprised they didn't mention any waltzing flowers, and I I was kind of disappointed about that. I missed the 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 waltz of the flowers, but oh well. 
Uh, I guess Tchaikovsky took liberties, and I think the Snow Queen may be part of Russian um, folktales, and that's maybe why it was missing from the from the German um, version we had. Although, as you say, it was a picture book, so you know, maybe they cut out a whole bunch of stuff. I don't know, but uh, I seem to remember something about the Snow Queen. Um, being part of the Russian, um, huh, we used to say mythos, but that <laughs> that's not exactly the appropriate word, I guess. But anyway, um, so yeah, uh, definitely, definitely a charming little read. It's funny you mentioned the ballet today um, downtown. They're doing it, the um, sugar, the you know the um, ballet of the Nutcracker. I guess every town that has big enough to have a ballet company will do it at this time. And I love the dance of the Merlitons. I'm not sure what a Merliton, and I hope I'm saying it right, actually is, if it's a vegetable, a mineral, or a person, or an elf. But that was always my favorite one. And maybe, I think the dance of the reeds, but I can't remember if that's part of the Nutcracker. I think it is. But everybody knows the music. I mean, it's it's just played everywhere. You don't even know you know it, and you know it. So that's always funny. But I bet you're right, Anne, about the Snow Queen. I bet that is part of Russian folklore, like the Firebird or the Frost Maiden. Yeah, Frost Maiden, Snow Queen, whatever the heck you call. Right. Um, I think that's it. But I, you know, I'm I'm not as familiar with uh, Russian folklore as I should be. Um, I've I've read a lot of folktales in my however many decades I've lived, but uh, (laughs) not enough Russian ones, apparently. So, um, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, um, in fact, we're doing it here in Rochester. uh, The... um, you know the the ballet is is here, and it's. Um, I think their last performance is the weekend after Christmas, maybe, and it runs you know on the weekends uh, from Thanksgiving to Christmas, and um, you know everybody goes. It's sort of like Messiah, you know. It's it's either the Nutcracker or it's Messiah, you know. It's it's one of the one of the two, and I prefer Messiah because it's you know there's. I don't have to deal with the ballet. I definitely take your point, and Messiah is pretty, and it's such a standard for Christmas. I think they even do it around Easter. At least I had heard that. Um, I was going to add that the, um, you know, that that there were, I know there are people who enjoy the ballet, but I um, have always found the music interesting. Well, I we went. I took my mother and my niece to see the Nutcracker in 1974, and what was so intriguing about it was they had this very beautiful tree on the stage, and it was done by a new thing called a computer. I wonder what it's like now. What do you mean it was done? It was lit. The, the lights were directed by computer. Yeah, yeah. It was all done. You know, it was all computerized, and I mean, this was a real really, really forward-thinking production of it, apparently, back then. I wish the book with the um, pictures had been described. I'd like to have heard the descriptions of the pictures, but I know NLS does have rules about that, or it did at that time. 
I'd be curious to know what various productions of the Nutcracker have done with it. Have they done it in a 1920s Art Deco style? Have they done it, I guess the traditional style is sort of that fantasy Russian 1890s, the sort of fantasy stuff from the famous 1890s era, when I think his name was Patipa, was the um, director of the Bolshoi. So I wonder if there are other ways you could do it, maybe to look like outer space or make the stage almost bare and just use projected images. Uh, I, I bet there's a lot you can do with it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They, I, you know, we could get into all kinds of production ideas, but, uh, oh, I would think there would be infinite possibilities with that. I know Ian mentioned reading folk tales. I always liked tales and fairy tales and myths as a child from the Greek and Romans and the Norse that would little I could find on the Japanese and the different folk tales from places like the West Indies or the Anansi trickster guy and in college I took a cross-listed English and anthropology folk tale thing and learned all about such things as trickster figures and I think Bard has a book that just came on Tongo about trickster rules the world. Tricksters don't seem very nice to me but I guess they're necessary to make things happen. I don't know why I was drawn to folklore. Most of my friends did not like it. If there was sort of a Jungian thing, I know Jung said a lot about folklore, and I believe Freud did. It was rather gross to hear Bettelheim using Freud to explain Jack and the Beanstalk and Oedipus complexes. Some of that was a bit over the top, but it was definitely um, thought-provoking. Oh my God. That, oh dear. David, that brings up Horrible. <laughs> <coughs> Horrible images. Uh, beanstalks. Oh, my God. Anyway, never mind. Never you mind. Um, hey. But, yeah. Uh, young, you know, in the, in the collective unconscious and all that. Yeah. And uh, the trickster. Um, yes. Uh, it's a it's a fairly fairly um, widespread idea. I mean, you've got coyote in the southwest, and you've got Anansi and and um, various others uh, scattered around, I guess. But those are the two that come to mind almost immediately. Don't forget Loki in the Norse mythology, and of course Hermes Mercury in Greco-Roman tradition. I don't remember others. But I know in the Santeria pantheon, I, I wouldn't call that folklore. It's it's sort of, I guess, it's considered a religion. There is Elegba or Elegua, who is a trickster figure. They, they'll help you, but they can turn on you, and you don't always know what you're getting. Wow, that's quite fascinating how the different mythologies all have the, well, some of them anyway, have the trickster. Um... Do we have any more thoughts on the Nutcracker, or do we want to read folktales for next month? Or that uh, folktales, the, the the Creole folktale book I just downloaded from Board could be interesting. I know this is fantasy, so I'm assuming they can count under that uh, rubric. I was hoping the Joan Vinge novel, um, the Snow Queen of the Summer Queen, would be on 
bored, but they're not. I read The Snow Queen years ago, but I never did read The Summer Queen. I should have, but I think I didn't because I figured out somewhere, maybe because of some introductory material in the book, there is a short story between those two vast novels, because they are very long. I think The Summer Queen is, is maybe four or eight cassettes. It's huge. Um, and I missed the short linking story and thought I was missing too much, so I never really read it. Um, her work can be interesting, but very long. It would be too long, I think, for here. Well, I wouldn't mind reading folk tales. Um, that'd be kind of fun. Um, I was thinking of downloading the Creole folk tales, and I hadn't gotten around to it. You know, it was just one of those things. I passed it by, and I downloaded some other stuff. But uh, that'd be cool. Um, what would you, what would you all think? Well, it's different enough. Uh, I know nothing about that area of the country at all. I think it's a good idea. I haven't, I don't think I've read any folk tales, so I guess this will be a new, what would you call this, a fantasy subgenre? Yeah, I think probably um, a subgenre of fantasy. It's the, well, it's sort of the original fantasy. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's the original stuff. But yeah, um, Creole folk tales. I wonder if that's sort of like the the um, the ones from Quebec about the loup garou. That'd be fun. Ooh, the loup garou. Ooh. <laughs> uh, these look like they're from the West Indies. I wish I could find a book on Cajun folk tales since I'm in the area of the country. Find one in available format, because I'd like to read it. That's another place where you talk about werewolves or loup-garou, and uh, we have that here. But I don't know much. It's funny, because I don't know a lot about my own background. I think because when my grandparents went to school, they were made to speak English. They, were, they, lo uh, they almost lost lots of the culture here. Luckily, they caught that just in time, but it was kind of sad. I would have liked to have been bilingual, and if things had been a bit different, I might have. But now I'm so old. Oh, and learning a new language is hard. Well, that's true. It is. But, um, yeah, it's a shame. Um, <laughs> I'm always making people laugh when I get these these name tags where uh, instead of sticking them on your, your front, you they come on a strap or a, a string or whatever, and you hang them around your neck. And I always remember that, that wonderful scene in... How Green Was My Valley, which is a, a novel about whales and um, the country, not the animals, but the country. And um, this teenager watches this thing going on, and this little girl comes out of the school, and she has this rope around her neck, and attached to the rope is this big, long board. And it falls, you know, the rope makes it hang down and it falls right against her shins so that when she walks she gets knocked you know by the board uh, on her shins and on the board is written in great big black letters I must not speak Welsh in school and this was the attitude of these people that, that uh, sent the native peoples to school um, boarding school that they had to speak English and they lost, you know, the Native Americans and uh, the Welsh and so forth. They lost their their native tongue, and it's really a shame. Um, but yeah, 
uh, I'm sorry that you don't that you're not bilingual David it's it's uh, it's too bad maybe there is a a course in in um, in Cajun uh, that you could uh, take up somewhere I don't know um, what I can do for you uh, I have a, a little something that you might enjoy I have the Cajun 12 Days of Christmas, which I usually send out, oh, a little closer to Christmas, but maybe I'll send it to you. Um, if I if I had your email, I would send it to you. But uh, it's, uh, <laughs> it's kind of funny. And I finally found out what a Satsuma was. I, I didn't realize what it was until um, just the other day. Apparently, it's a, it's a fruit. Which I I didn't did, didn't know, huh? Learn something every day. Yeah, it's it's like a mandarin. It's an orange. It's sort of a a thin-skinned um, orange, and you peel them, and the orange pieces come away in sections. And it's not really solid. You know, like a, a navel orange is very like a firm inside. It's mostly juice. I like juicing to mandarins and satsumas. I'm not sure of the technical difference between a mandarin and a satsuma. But they're very good as juice, and if you're wondering what a pool dew is, it's some kind of duck, and I had to ask a relative because I had no idea. There's a lot of this stuff, you know, we don't know because we pick up some of it from our relatives. For instance, my grandmother would speak Cajun French, or Patois, as I've heard it sometimes called with her. Ladies, they came to play Pokina, and they would, when they didn't want you to understand, they would switch languages on you, and it was trippy. My grandmother would do that, too, except... Uh She'd switch to Arabic instead of English, but you know it's the same difference. It's the same difference. Um, I'm half Lebanese, so you know <laughs> I know the feeling. It's funny, Anne, but speaking of Lebanese, where I am in Lafayette, Louisiana, people don't always realize it, but we have a Lebanese population that's been here since the late 19th century. They left when Lebanon was uh, part of the Ottoman Empire. They were they were Catholic. Oh, well, they were Maronite Christian, I think is what it was called. And they were fleeing, I think, with the intervention, with the intervention of France. And somehow they ended up here. And people like um, Charles Bustani, who was one of our Congress people here, and the Reggie family, um, they were one of their daughters it was the third wife and last wife of Teddy Kennedy. Oh yeah. Okay. Yes, and you're right about that. Yes, they did. And you're right. They are Maronite Catholics. And uh the Maronites are uh under Rome, you know, so they're Roman Catholic. But their um their liturgy is in Ara- Aramaic. And it's I was baptized Maronite as a matter of fact. Although, I don't go to a Maronite church, because there isn't one close, but, you know, I go to a regular Roman Catholic church, but um, I've been to Maronite services, and unfortunately, the the church in Olean, where I was baptized, it burned, so it is no longer, but old St. Joseph's Church, um, yeah, and, and uh, the service is beautiful, very beautiful. Um, and it's, uh, it's it's different, um, but as I say, the uh, the Maronites um, are named after Saint Maron, Maron, 
who was a saint in Lebanon, and um, that's why they're called Maronites. Anyway, never mind. This is the fantasy group. I'm getting into a whole bunch of stuff I didn't intend. Sorry, guys. Well, it makes for an interesting discussion. Um, Marshall, do you have any thoughts about folktales? Nope. I don't know very much about them either. Um, I was one time was fascinated by the Greek and Roman mythologies. I never got into the Norse or Russian, although I guess everybody's heard of Baba Yaga. things and you know the Navajos have the skinwalkers which I guess are kind of I don't know, think you'd call them trickster goddess they're they're nasty but uh, I don't have any objection to the Creole folktales book good we may, we'll have to do it then and yes I remember reading Baba Yaga stories of all places in something called Jack and Jill it was out a magazine in the early to mid-1970s, and they always had stories in there about her and her cat and her hut that stood on chicken legs or something, and Koschi, the Deathless, I think was, was I think one of her enemies. Of course, she had lots of those. That was crazy. I hadn't realized that was part of Russian folklore until years later. Well, I don't know where I first heard about it. Um, I remember the house with the chicken, on the chicken legs and and such not, but I don't remember where I first heard about it. Yes, and didn't it uh, hop all over the country or something? It, it, the house, it, it, it uh, hopped or it flew or something. I'm vaguely remembering. Yes, um, vaguely remembering. Um, incidentally, folks, just in case anybody wants to know, our next meeting is January nineteenth. So does anybody know the exact title of this book? I think it's called Creole Folktales. But it's in the uh it's in the new editions. It's like back a couple of days though now, but it's it's in the new editions, so you could probably find it there. Uh, just a search for Creole Folktales will probably find it. So I guess our book is decided and all that good stuff. Um, do we have any final thoughts? Just want to wish everybody a happy holiday, a Merry Christmas, and a Happy New Year, and all that. Yeah, that's about all I've got to say. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Um, I don't know what if Happy Hanukkah is appropriate. and I have no idea what the... Um, what do they call the African one? Kwanzaa? Yes, Kwanzaa. I don't know what the what the greeting is, but Hanukkah's over. It was very early this year. I mean it was the first night of Hanukkah was on Thanksgiving and and, and only lasts a week, so it gone. But uh um yeah, it was it was extremely early this year. And it, it they were commenting here on the news that the the confluence or the the connection between Hanukkah, the first night of Hanukkah and Thanksgiving, won't happen again for another seventy thousand years. Oh my goodness, <laughs> that's just crazy. Well, happy.
Happy New Year, everyone. Merry Christmas, and hope you have lots of turkey, or if you don't like turkey this year, lots of ham or goose or dessert. Oh, well, I guess everyone is leaving, so good night. Have a cool Yule, everybody. Bye.